Welcome back to Holistic Finance. I am your host, Ryan Burklow. With me, as always, is Alexander Collins. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing step number four in our 10 steps to creating your own financial plan. Before you start listening to this, or if you're in the car, after you do, if you're going to do this, obviously you should download the PDF that we created to help you go through this. So at the end, you actually have the action steps to do your financial plan. And so make and sure you this, download the, that PDF, the 10 steps of creating your own financial plan. And while this is step four that we're covering today, it is the third episode that we're doing on this. Make sure you listen to the first two before you jump into this. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about income protection, right? So the last episode, Alex, we talked about, you know, they built out their balance sheet. They actually have all of their numbers financially on one page and they actually know their net worth, right? They understand what those boxes meant and they have their monthly expense. What is it they're spending per month? Yeah. Like what's coming in, what's going out, where's it going? As well as like, the, the highlight of the roof over their house is the protection component. So today we're digging into protecting your income. Absolutely. Let's jump into the topic at hand here today. And so we're talking about income protection. So remember, the la- if we go back to page nine of your PDF. And then page nine, right, you're seeing the protection piece. When we're looking at protecting, specifically we're looking at, especially early in your career and really for the most of your life, you're wanting to really protect the money, the income, right? Because that is how you're living your lifestyle. And when most people are looking at protection, I think they're they're not looking at it from the standpoint of protecting their money. They're really looking at it as how much do I think I need? So they do some some version of a needs analysis. And what Alex and I always say is, okay, well, how much of your income do you need right now? And the answer, once we actually distill it down, is is essentially all of it. It's not like we're we're taking a certain amount of our income and putting it in a shoebox and burying it in the back of the closet. We're using all of it. And so then we need to protect all of it because we're using it. Whether we're accumulation phase, right? Some people say, well, I'm not using all of it. No, you are. You're either using it today and spending it today for lifestyle or you're saving it to spend tomorrow. Right. You're you're either using it on expenses or using it for protection or uh, to buy protection or you're using it for building savings and building wealth for the future. And so as we discussed in the last episode, this cash flow is the foundation of our house shouldn't it be rather strong and protected? And so that's for today's episodes. When we talk about protection here, it's about protecting yourself. Like, where do you start? Like, that's that's the top question we always get. Like, okay, where do I start when we go here? And we think you should start with protecting from the worst threats first. Yeah, I mean, protect from the things that you can't otherwise recover from. I mean, if it's if it's not as big of a deal... Even if it's more likely to happen, like, okay, not the end of the world. We can recover from that. If it's something that like ends cash flow or impedes cash flow for the next 20, 25, 30 years, that's going to have a huge impact on what your financial future looks like. So the, the threats are the top threats tend to be lawsuit, 
Like if someone sues you, like here in the state of Washington, not only can they come after some of your assets, they can actually come after your income. Health or sickness, right? If you couldn't go to work today, what would occur? If you couldn't go to work for six months, 12 months, or ever again, how would income come in the door? Legal documents. How do you want your estate affair handled if something were to happen? Who do you want? Like imagine you being incapacitated. Who do you want to make the decisions, financial decisions on your behalf? And then life insurance, premature death. If you were to pass away today, is your family taken care of the way that you want them and the way that they want to be protected? So, and like with that life insurance concept, like oftentimes we get people saying, oh, I don't, I don't want to over-insure myself. Same thing with, you know, income protection, like disability insurance, or with property and casualty insurance, you're home, protecting your home and your auto. And Ryan, do companies ever allow you to be over-insured? No, it, it can't happen. Otherwise, there'd be a lot more <laughs> issues. Like I always make the joke, uh, I might be sleeping with one eye open if I was over-insured. Like if yeah. you really did the math, like you'd really want, you'd be sleeping with one eye open if you were over-insured. And there's and I say ways. that tongue in cheek, like yeah. people listening, like but, it's. And for example, like if we're talking about like, like, and the reason why insurance companies won't allow you to be over-insured is because now they're intentionally incentivizing you to figure out how to create a claim. Correct. So you, their insurance companies are incredibly conservative when it comes to this. They oftentimes won't even necessarily allow you to fully protect against some of these things because they always want there to be a little bit of a difference between your income and what they will protect or the value of an asset and what they're willing to protect, whether it's a tangible asset like a car or a house or whether it's your income um, as protected by life insurance or and disability insurance. So let's jump into the first one here. We're talking about lawsuit, right? So, you know, if you were to be sued, how much of your income is protected as well as how is your assets protected? Um, so oftentimes when we're sitting down with clients, you know, their auto insurance might have a bodily injury liability limit of, you know, maybe a max of $300,000, right? Or maybe their home insurance liability is a max of 300000 whatever that number is. So how many years of protection is that? If, if you're making... $100,000 a year and you have $300,000 of liability coverage, well, you've got three years of income protection there. Yeah. Right? I mean, heck, we came across a client who the other day was that had state minimums, which is like $25,000, and they were making something like six times that amount. So the, the amount of coverage that they had was like two months. You know, and it, it's one of those things where it's like once folks realize and understand how this stuff works, oftentimes some of the answers become really, really easy in terms of like, yeah, okay, got it. Let's figure out how to fix that. Yeah. So here's a real quick example for, for to make sure we're driving this point home. If you add the $300,000 liability coverage, right, for on your auto insurance policy, if you were to get in an accident, you were at fault. That would cover $300,000 for medical damage and lawsuit protection to the other party. So if the other party had four people in the car and let's just say three of those, all four people have a hundred thousand dollars of medical damage, right? Which we know nowadays a hundred thousand dollars of medical damage. And I'm saying this facetiously, but also kind of serious. That's like a broken pinky. 
right? Each person has $100,000 in medical damage. So that means three of those people are covered by your auto insurance policy. The fourth person's getting your phone number may be doing a lawsuit against you. To take that one step further, if one of those people could no longer go to work, do you think that they might sue? The answer to that question is, no one's ever told me no. We live in America, right? So yes, they might sue, and they're suing you for loss of income. Well, how would they calculate how much they can sue you for? Income plus inflation over the number of years that they're expecting to work. So imagine hitting someone, and they're 30 years old, and that 30-year-old is making 100000 a year. 100000 times 30 years, not even including inflation, that's $3 million. So... When we're talking about lawsuit, that's what we're talking about. Imagine having a $3 million lawsuit, right? We know an advisor that has a client that's been, um, has a seven-year-old client that's been paying a lawsuit off for the last 10 years because they're, they're essentially taking some of her income. And so it's important to understand that. So one thing that we want you to consider, so here's the action items from this, is make sure you call your auto and home insurance carrier, understand your limits of liability, Consider getting what they call a umbrella insurance policy. What an umbrella insurance policy is, is a third-party liability policy. It, it covers for lawsuits that go above and beyond your current insurance policies. Home, auto, boat, whatever. It's just extra liability that sits on top of your existing policies. I know a lot of people are thinking, okay, Ryan, Alex, I get what you're saying. Makes sense. In the back of your mind, probably in the forefront of your mind, or maybe on the tip of your tongue, what's that going to cost me? While driving record, there's a bunch of variables that do come into play in terms terms of the cost. The average like $1 million umbrella insurance policy will cost somewhere between like 20 and 25 bucks a month. That's a million dollars of protection. For 20 to 25 bucks a month, it's actually very inexpensive. Oh, and by the way, you might get discounts on your other stuff for bundling it all together. Correct. So action step number one from this piece is calling your auto and home insurance agent and talk and realizing what we have in terms of liability coverage, looking at it from standpoint of, okay, how many years of my income is that protecting? And then considering getting an umbrella policy. Which then takes us to the what we're going to talk into, the disability, the long-term disability insurance that you may have or may not have. And so what I want you to consider is, okay, so imagine losing 20% of your pay. Imagine getting a 20% pay cut because of any reason, like you can't go into work as often. Yeah, and this could be as simple as like, okay, you suffer from chronic fatigue and so you're only able to work four days a week as opposed to five days a week. And so that's what a long-term disability insurance policy covers. It, it covers your income that you were making prior to being sick or injured. That's what the long-term disability insurance policy is covering. And so when you're looking at this, you should be figuring out and you should have documented, going back to page nine, what is the monthly benefit that you currently have? We encourage you to also figure out whether that is taxable or tax-free. And they're like the biggest difference is whether you're paying for it or whether the company's paying for it. If the company's paying for it, are you paying the taxes on that premium? 
And so when you're talking to your employer, right, as Alex said, figure out how it's taxed. Figure out what's their definition of disability. Like, is it Social Security's definition? Like, you can't do anything for it to pay. Or does it cover you for the job that you're currently doing? How much of your income is replaced? So when they say it's 50 or 60%, possibly, maybe that's what you have at work. Does that cover your bonus? Right? Does that cover your stock options or RSUs that maybe you're getting? What is actually, how much of that is actually covered? And as they say, the devil's in the details and we need to understand what they consider income, what's covered, what's not covered, and then understand when you would receive it. Like, what are the definitions? When do you actually receive the money? How long do you receive the money for? Those types of conversations are critically important when we're looking at these things. And again, you're analyzing how much of your income is protected and are you okay with that? So if you took, let's just say you have a 50% policy, it covers 50% of your income. What does that do if you took a 50% pay cut? If you're not okay with that, then maybe you should be getting a personal insurance policy to cover that difference. And that's what that's what the homework assignment and the action items are, is figure out those details, the answers to those questions that we've that we've already thrown out there, as well as considering a personal policy. Yeah, at least explore the option and try and figure out like, okay, what's the cost of covering the rest of it? Now that takes us to legal documents, right? So you should have maybe a yes or a no on page nine here for you, a very simplistic way of looking at it. But the fact of the matter is, is well, look, we get it. We're, this is not a fun conversation, right? But the fact of the matter is, is who do you want to have a say on your behalf if something were to happen to you? Yeah, I would way rather that my wife and I have this conversation and figure this out than it be determined by the state, whatever state we live in. So, you know, while we don't necessarily think online estate planning, right, like those templates are the best way to go about attacking this, I would state it's better to have that than nothing. But the fact is, is you should talk to a professional to look at power of attorneys, wills, should you have a trust, and we're really looking at there's three different people that you should really kind of consider when you're looking at, you know, designing your will. And those three people, the names are guardian, right? The guardian is, okay, who do you want to look after your kids? Most people understand that piece, but who do you want to look after you if something happens? It, very few people actually think about it from that standpoint. If you are incapacitated to the point where you cannot make decisions for yourself, you should have somebody identified as this is whom I want making decisions for me. And I would highly recommend having a conversation with them to make sure that they're going to make the choices that you want made, whatever those are. Our job isn't to define like you should do X. Nope. Like that is such a personal conversation, but you may want to know like, and make sure that the people that you're selecting have the same ideas and concepts that you do. The next person is executor, right? This is the person that is executing your wishes, right? Like think about that, that, that is an important person to have. And that might be different than the guardian. And by executing, we don't mean killing. We mean 
taking action on and like actually following through on what your wishes are so that they are done in the manner that you want them. And then trustee, who is it you want to manage the money? And right, so these the- don't have to be the same person. In fact, oftentimes they are not the same person. Like for me, I want one person making the the decisions on what's going to happen with me. I want another person making sure that there's they are enacting those decisions. And it's a third person who's actually like handling the financial component of it. And you also want contingents, right? Like here's an example. Right now, you know, if something were to happen to my wife and I, you know, maybe my brother is the guardian of my kids. But if my brother gets divorced, I don't want him to be the guardian of my kids anymore. He probably will have a lot other things going on in his life. I'm not sure that being the guardian of my kids is the, in the best interest for my brother and obviously for my kids. So I want a contingent and I want that type of contingency specifically put in there where it states, if Ryan's brother is not married, he is not the guardian of Ryan Burko's kids. Again, this all ties back to the values conversation that we had at the beginning of like understanding what is important to you and your spouse, you and your partner, like figuring out like, okay, what, what is it that's critically important and making sure that all your documentation follows through and lines up with that. For more information on the estate planning and for a bigger conversation, check out episode, I think it's 134. Yeah, 134, where we actually interviewed an estate planning attorney who gave a lot more insight into this conversation. And so when you're doing this, that's probably a great episode to listen to prior to uh, talking to an estate planner, right? That way you can go go into it prepared because some estate planning attorneys, they charge by the hour. The more information you have, the less time you take, which means less money it takes. Then let's talk about life insurance, Alex. Everyone's favorite topic, right? Right. Again, none of these conversations are fun, right? Like Alex and I actually don't like these conversations. They're not fun, but these are the conversations that cripple people, right? And what's interesting about this is I think we all have probably friends or maybe we can call them acquaintances that we, that we knew maybe relatively well that we no longer communicate with or no longer see in our community. And it's because something occurred and they can't continue that lifestyle. So they kind of, they went to a different lifestyle and had to move somewhere and no one knew anything about it. They just kind of faded out of our life for whatever reason. Right. So you don't hear the stories all that often, right? Embarrassment kicks in. There's a bunch of stuff that that goes on there, but these conversations are vital. And when we're talking about life insurance, the purpose of life insurance is the replacement of your income. And thus the easiest way to think about this is to take a look at it from a standpoint of like, okay, what is your income and how much capital at work do you need to replace that income? And so we think about it almost in the same way that we think about retirement. Cause again, we're using a hundred percent of our income. Like even if we're not spending a hundred percent of our income, which hopefully we aren't, like if you lost your partner or your spouse, yeah, you're still going to need to save money for the future. So making sure that all of the income is still there 
again, we can think about like some of these things in slightly different terms. Like, okay, well, in order to replace the income, we need X, whatever that is. We'll walk through a calculation of how to calculate that. But then in addition to that, we're also going to have one-time expenses. Setting dollars aside for college, maybe paying off a mortgage, maybe doing any of these like final expenses or paying last medical bills or any like taking time off of work, any of the one-time things that pop up around the death of a spouse, the death of a family member. It's not fun conversations, but I guarantee you the people who have done planning around this, it is a way more enjoyable conversation than the people who haven't had these conversations. So it is an ounce of prevention to save a pound of pain down the road. When it comes to this, right? Like too often we see, and even people in our profession still do this, they, they do a needs analysis is what they call it. Where the person will sit down with you and they say, okay, um, if something happens to you, how much do you, do you want to pay for your kid's education? Do you want to pay off the mortgage? Uh, how much debt do you have? How much money do you want to leave aside for your spouse? which is a crazy question. Like looking back on it, the fact that I used to ask that question still scares me to this day because like my spouse probably should have looked at me and said, uh, I kind of want the lifestyle I have now. Like not many people have ever said, I want a lesser lifestyle, right? That's a needs analysis. The fact of the matter is, is this is, I think a rather simple equation. How much of your income do you want going to your family? If something were to happen to you like this, and there are ways to design these policies, have several different policies where they're laddered to, to help with cost, because I know cost is an issue. I get it. But if, when you're working with a professional that knows how to do this, they can work around that to build the best policy for you within the budget and cash flows that you have. And there's no best policy here. It doesn't matter whether it is permanent or term or... UL, IUL, VUL, index, whole life. And forget the type. That doesn't really matter in this conversation. The The best policy to have at the point in which you're, you pass away is the one that pays the death benefit. Yeah. Your your spouse won't call, won't call you. Gosh, that's horrible, right? Like you passed away. Your spouse is not going to call you. But your spouse isn't going to question like, oh, what type of policy did we have that I just got paid out? Like, that's not going to happen. So these are the these are the worst threats to your income, which is why we focused here. Are there other things? Yes. Right? Loss of job, divorce. We could sit here all day talking about what are threats to our income. But these are the ones that completely demolish everything you're building. And people talk about self-insure. Well, with the worst threats covered, that doesn't enable you to self-insure other threats. like the loss of a job, right? So I promised that we'd get back to a formula. Yep. The formula is simple. It's taking your income and dividing by 0.04 or multiplying by 25. You may or may not be able to go get all of that coverage. For example, most people that are over 40, you're going to have a hard time getting that much coverage because a financial underwriter at the insurance company will say, ah, you're not going to work long enough for me to justify that. 
but we need that much capital at work to be able to create an income that is not going to run out. And that's simply using the 4% rule in retirement as a way of creating income. That's not necessarily the most efficient and effective way, but when we've got a longer time horizon, it is just about the only way that we can go ahead and sustainably create income over a long period of time. We can go ahead and get into the, you know, the argument or discussion around like, okay, is it the three and a half percent or the four percent or the four and a half percent ratio? And we'll have some of that conversation when we get to retirement planning. But for ease of numbers, let's just use the four percent rule, which means that we're taking your income and multiplying it by twenty-five and trying to go ask an underwriter to give us that much coverage. We may or may not be successful. And then there may or may not be some modifiers there. Like for example, are we expecting a jump in income? Do we have any one-time things that need to get paid off or dealt with at our, at the time of our passing? Um, but that's, that's typically where we start is 25 times our annual income. So use that definitely as a formula to, to work on. And, you know, as you're talking with your professional around that life insurance piece, make sure you're, you're, you're having a conversation on what it is you're protecting. Work with a professional that has a same type of philosophy. Otherwise, the conversation could go very different. Which takes us to the question of the day, Alex. Yeah, our question today is how well have you protected your income? And through the, the conversations that we've had today, are there any aha moments that have popped up as you're looking at protecting your income? This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities Guardian or Quantified Financial Partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risk and may lose value. This material is intended for general public use. By providing this content, Park Avenue Securities LLC is not undertaking to provide investment advice or a recommendation for any specific individual or situation or to otherwise act in a fiduciary capacity. Please contact a representative for guidance and information that is specific to your individual situation. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, OSJ 200 Market Street, Suite 1850, Portland, Oregon 97201, phone number 503-221-1226. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities member FINRA, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, New York, New York. Park Avenue Securities is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. Quantified Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Ryan Burklow, AR Insurance License Number 15319412. CA Insurance License Number 0K24924. Alexander Collins, AR Insurance License Number 7264699. CA Insurance License Number 0H24806. Pinpoint number 2023-151801.
expiration February 2025.